Good morning, Kay First. As you know, we are in a series called Soul Therapy, and it has been my heart over the past few years for us to dive into a, a series at least once a year where we navigate and begin to talk about this thing of our emotions. And as we really reiterated last Sunday and, and every series that our emotions are not a curse from God. They are a gift from God. They give us connection to God. And um, there's a scripture that I've leaned upon for years that uh, I remember when I first read it, I, I really looked at it in light of marriage, but I think it, thinks, uh, it speaks something much deeper. Is that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone I will make a helpmate for him. And again, I used to read that in light of marriage. And when I look at it, this is pre-marriage and, and in all actuality, this is making a statement of humanity that it is not good that we are alone. We are creatures that are made from relationship with God and a relationship of the, the Trinity, the community that is the Trinity, and we are made for community. And so what I've invited uh, into our series is a conversation and uh, we're going to do something just a tad different than maybe what we've done on any Sunday morning at K first. I can only think of two other times we've done this, but we're going to have a conversation. And uh, what we are doing is we're inviting you into a conversation between myself and my friend and your friend, John Opelouski. John has spoken at a church a number of times. Um, he has written a book that I know a number of you have loved. And we're going to put that website up on the recording here and also make it on, make it available on our YouVersion notes. I want to make sure that you know about the unshakable you. It is their bestseller in terms of Converge Coaching. It has been a great resource for me. I pass that resource on to others, and I know numbers of you have been blessed by it. Uh, but John has been a personal friend. He has helped me with my feelings of isolation. And I also think that John has, has been given an amazing opportunity to uh, not just speak on the issues of isolation, but he's actually met pastors, met pastoral staffs, um, and, uh, to, to talk to them about isolation. And especially in this time that we find ourselves in, this season of quarantine, it, it really brings uh, us all to the place of having to have uh, this feeling faced head on. Are we isolated? Are we not isolated? Even within our homes, in the community of our homes, we can all experience this. I don't think there's a single human being that is not susceptible to this feeling of isolation. So we have just welcomed John to come on in and talk to us about this issue. And we're going to do a little Q&A, a little bit of a conversation, because I believe part of soul therapy, part of looking deep inside of ourselves, is really questioning what are we feeling and what do we do with that. And during this time of quarantine, I think it is very, it behooves us to really talk about this isolation, because I believe that it will not just uh, the effects not just hit us now, but we'll really have some um, unending effects that go out from here. So, John, thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining with us. Um, would you just share your heart about this issue of isolation? Sure. Well, first of all, Dave, thanks for inviting me to this uh, platform. Um, I'm envisioning uh, your entire congregation and, uh, and, some of the, and some people I've never met before in your community uh, watching and listening. And... Uh, so it's really an honor and a privilege to be part of this conversation with you today. You know, um, I, I, I think I'd like to just start by telling you a little bit about my own experience with this uh, the last six weeks. You know, when uh, when this all came down, um, I, uh, I knew that there was going to be a point in time 
in this process of it, if it extended very long, that I was going to start to feel the, the pinch of it emotionally myself. Uh, so the first few weeks I, I did pretty well. Uh, you know, we were obviously worshiping in our living room, uh, watching our pastor preach. And I got along okay with that. Uh, it seemed like Easter Sunday was a pivot point for me, Dave. I, um, I, I don't, I think I can say this. I just annoyed on Easter Sunday that I couldn't be with people. And, uh, I don't know if you were annoyed, but I, I felt just annoyed by it. The and, pastor, I was absolutely annoyed. Yeah. Um, it just seemed, uh, it really hit me that Sunday. Like, man, I feel isolated. I, I feel, uh, cut off from, uh, people. Now, you know, obviously I'm married to Laura and, and that's been a great, you know, a great help uh, to have her with me and we're talking and we're uh, getting along most of the time. Um, you know, we've had our moments where we got gotten on each other's nerves, but there is this sense, Dave, of deficit that I have. Um, I, I miss being in physical proximity to the people I care about uh, and, and sharing laughs, sharing our hearts, sharing a hug. And, um, and really in the last uh, couple of days, I've put my head on the pillow at night and, and just to be totally honest and vulnerable, have felt sad. I've felt blue. Um, I, I, I haven't had dark thoughts of hurting myself, but I've just, I, I am really feeling the isolation in my emotional makeup. Wow. Now you talked about the word deficit. Um, and I think that's a very, um, it's, it's a hot button word. Um, usually when I'm talking with people, I listen for certain words that, especially when they're digging down deep of what they're feeling, you use the word deficit. Um, if if I were to ask you this, just the simplistic question, what does what does isolation feel like? If you were mm -hmm. to really paint a picture of isolation for an individual, maybe an individual that doesn't feel like they are isolated or they are in the midst of isolation. I've had people argue, well, I'm an introvert. I like isolation. And mm -hmm. um, would, you, would you kind of paint a picture of what isolation, the experience of it feels like? Well, I'm, just to... Uh say this, I am an introvert. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't think isolation is good for introverts or extroverts, extended isolation. I think yeah. it, 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 it impacts both of us, both of those personality types. I think extroverts might feel it faster mm -hmm. uh, than an introvert. Uh, but you know, introverts are, are dealing with it, uh, to at least this one, me, uh, is, and I know others are too. You know, it's such a great question. You know, how, what does isolation feel like? I mean, um, I, I feel here's here's a couple of thoughts I have on that. I feel like there um, there are feelings and emotions that I'm having mm. that I don't feel I can articulate properly. Uh, now, obviously the Lord is with us, right? in all of this, you know, and so we can always articulate our feelings to God. But like you said, in the beginning, uh, Adam enjoyed perfect fellowship with God. Mm -hmm. There was no a barrier between him and the Lord. They used to hang out in the garden in the cool of the day. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the kind of relationship they had. And still God said, it's not good for this dude to be alone. Yeah. And so while the vertical aspect of my relationship with God has been really good and really solid, um, I feel like there's all this stuff inside of me that I want to get out mm -hmm. and I, I want to share and I, I want to hear from other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, while we can do some of that on the phone and over FaceTime, again, for me personally, uh, there's nothing quite like sitting across a table, sharing a cup of coffee with somebody, uh, being in a small group of people that we love and trust and, and just talking about what God's speaking to us about and things like that. So I, I think that's part of what it feels like is there's, there's like there's this stuff I need to express and there's no mechanism or not an adequate mechanism. Mm to express it um i don't know if that makes sense to you or not no i i, I love the, the way you worded that there's no mechanism to express it it's like it's like sitting and and you've got an iphone it needs to be charged and you've got the charger you've got the wire and you literally have no outlet to right. to draw from um yeah i i remember uh just just numbers of conversations i've had with individuals that have gone through some heartbreak or some friendships that have been severed and where things have hit them hard and we've got this Christianese that says, mm -hmm. it's okay, I don't need them, I don't need people, I have Jesus. It's okay, I have Jesus. Yeah. And I think that we have learned to use that as a coping mechanism to over-spiritualize the feelings yeah. of isolation because I think you pointed out something huge. He had perfect fellowship with God. Yep. And yet he looked around and even with all of the animals, he needed someone like him. Yes. And that's, I think that's, that's huge. And you even said this the other day that, that the quarantine um, or this thing of isolation is not an introvert or extrovert thing that we all need people. Right. And, and you know, um, I, I, I was just thinking, and this might, this might be insulting to all worship leaders across the country. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think every song that we sing that says, all I need is you, Jesus, should be struck forever from the annals of worship songs. Because it's just not true. I think I hear, I think I know the heart of the songwriter. Well, yes. honestly, I had never thought about it that way. You have just now transformed a ton of songs for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so when we sing those songs in church, I just don't sing those parts. <laughs> I don't. I just, you know, because the rest of the song's great, but that part I just don't sing. Because um, I don't believe that it's true. No, it's it's just not. Um, I and mean, we, we've talked about it at K-First that we believe in Zoe life, that is that uh, John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have abundantly. Yeah. That abundant life is good spiritual life, mental, emotional, and physical. And all four of them need hu human beings. That's um, right. That's why I believe uh, communion was never meant to be taken in isolation. I don't think communion is communion in isolation in terms of by yourself. Right. But have one other person. Um, uh, you talk with a lot of churches. Um, I mean, that's your, your job is to, uh, you come alongside pastors, pastoral team boards. You see a lot of churches you have traveled. Um, and you also see, I believe a global scope of the church and Christianity. Um, what are you seeing when it comes to isolation in the church? Because I think sometimes we think that isolation is only for certain people, but I think it's, we see it across the board. Yeah. So Dave, I'm seeing really four 
basic reactions. Mm. And, and I would like to just maybe touch on each one. And then if you want to, you know, comment on any of them, obviously, I, I, I want you to, I want to hear your, your thoughts on it. So here, here they are real quick. Uh, some of the leaders that I'm interacting with are telling me they're thriving, you know, in spite of being isolated. And, and, and I kind of believe them, you know, when they're talking to me, it, it doesn't smell like they're putting on a front or they're, uh, it's bravado or anything like that. But I quickly remind them that thriving in isolation has a short shelf life. <laughs> mm. I'm glad that you're thriving. I'm glad that you feel energized, but that won't last for very long mm. because God's hardwired us uh, for friendship. So that's one reaction I'm seeing. Um, another one I'm seeing, and I don't know if you want to, if, if you want to respond to, that first one before I go to the next one. Uh, do you want to do that or you want me just to no, run through these? Real I, quick? I, I'd say just run through it, run through it. And, okay. and that way we can talk about that. So here's the second one. Some are telling me they're thriving in spite of being isolated and I don't believe them. <laughs> you know, I, I think they're in denial. Mm -hmm. They're struggling, but they're afraid to admit that they're struggling. For mm -hmm. some leaders, uh, it, it is just so hard for them. And I feel sad for them. Mm -hmm. It's just so hard for them to say, I'm human. I'm normal. I have feelings. Um, so that's the second uh, one I'm seeing. The third one, I'm the third reaction, I'm kind of noticing a trend is some are telling me they're hurting, but then they quickly follow with something like this. Um, others have it worse than me. Uh, so I really have nothing to complain about. And and while I kind of appreciate that sentiment, I think what ha is I see happening there is a, is a, a denial that the isolation they're feeling is real. Yeah. Um, that there is a there's loss associated with, and, and you know, you asked me what isolation feels like. It feels like loss mm -hmm. in a way. There, there's this sense of a loss of personal contact, mm. and so for this third group of, of leaders. Uh, ignoring doesn't or, or, or minimizing, maybe that's a better word, uh, doesn't really help you deal with this isolation factor. It just kicks the can down the road, so to speak. And um, uh, there used to be a commercial many, many years ago, and Dave, you're probably not old enough to remember this one, but it was the Fram oil filter guy. And uh, he was this kind of like greasy, sleazy looking car mechanic who, who, you know, said, Hey, you know, for a $5 oil filter, you could have avoided this $500 engine problem. You know, oh, I actually remember that one. Do you remember that one? <laughs> and the punchline of that commercial was you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Yeah. And, and I think, I think this third group, um, while they're in touch with how they're feeling, they minimize it. They, they dismiss it as not important. And I, and I don't think that's healthy. And then the fourth group are our guys and even some, some uh, female leaders who are telling me they're re they really are feeling blue. They're really struggling. And, and you know, all, all we do in that scenario is we, we uh, weep with those who weep, right? We, we feel their pain. Um, you know, I, I, I'm an, like I said earlier, I'm an introvert, but that doesn't mean I don't need interaction with people. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that I'm selective as an introvert about the people I interact with. I, 
I, I don't draw energy from big crowds. I draw energy from close friends. Yeah. And uh, so, so those are kind of the, the four different things that I'm seeing. Uh, Dave, wonder what you think about that. With the, with the first, uh, with, with the first point that you brought up, those that are getting energized that are kind of enjoying, um, I think I would want to, th I would think that talking about solitude instead of isolation, mm -hmm. um, because I think there is a massive difference between, for example, Jesus going off into solitude instead right. of seeing Jesus isolated. How would you really see the difference between the two? How would you articulate the difference? Yeah, that's a good one. I think I think uh, solitude has purpose behind it. Good, um, that's good. I, and um, I think you, so I, I, I isolate myself or go into solitude on purpose mm -hmm. for extended times to pray. Jesus did that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for thinking time, for reflecting time. There's 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 some sort of purpose to it. Sometimes I I, I do that just because um, I just need a breath. I need to yeah. breathe for a while and collect myself um isolation has this sense to me of being without purpose mm -hmm. um it's ex it's extended way beyond the length of time it should be you notice the, the i think the longest time jesus was isolated was the 40 days he was in the desert mm -hmm. um i can't imagine that and, and that whole ordeal but after that you notice that he would only isolate for a, a, a moment like sometimes it was a, a an evening or he would go up on a mountain by himself and pray, or he would just get away for a while. But there was always a sense of purpose behind it. Like uh, one night before he chose the 12 disciples, right? Mm -hmm. He's up alone, yeah. thinking and praying. So I, I think there's, I think that's what kind of comes to me initially mm -hmm. as the difference between the two. Why is it, you mentioned another group kind of downplays their their own feelings of isolation. Um, others have it worse than me. Yeah. Um, wh why do they do that? Why is it that mm -hmm. they will downplay that instead of actually just coming to grips with this is what I'm dealing with? Why do they have such a hard time with yeah. that? I think some of us are uncomfortable with our feelings. Mm. We're uncomfortable with our emotions. We've been taught that either they don't matter um, that we should ignore them. Mm. Um, and so when they come up, when they, when they bubble up to the surface, we don't know what to do with them. We're uncomfortable. So our, our default move mm. is to deflect, is to try to get away from them as fast as we can, because they make us so uncomfortable. We, we say things like this, I shouldn't feel this way, mm -hmm. or I should feel another way. And one of my friends uh, puts it this way, Dave, he says, you know, we're shooting all over ourselves when it comes yeah. to our emotions. <laughs> and, you know, made me laugh, you know, when he said that, but it's, it's true that there's this sense of, I shouldn't feel the way I feel. I'm a Christian. I'm mm -hmm. a leader. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't feel lonely. I shouldn't feel anxious. I shouldn't feel sad. I shouldn't feel wow. fear. Wow. And, and, and the truth is your emotions are your emotions. Yeah. They are what they are. The mature person, um, accepts that emotion for what it is and says, I feel this way. 
We say that again. That is so good. That right there is so good. Yeah. Uh, a, a mature person accepts mm-hmm. how they're feeling in the moment. Yeah. And says, it's, I, I feel this mm-hmm. and begins to walk down this path, Dave, where they, they care for that emotion where they, they, they say, God, or, or, God, here's how I feel, or just out loud, I name it, I identify it. Mm-hmm. I own that feeling. I don't blame another person for how I feel. Yeah. As an adult, I am 100% in charge of how I feel. It's so good. And so I then I invite God into that emotion and say, okay, Lord, what's true mm-hmm. in this situation? What's not true in this situation? So, so one of the things, David, if I can just be super transparent with you. No, please uh, be fake. <laughs> okay. Then I won't say what I'm about to say. I'll just, Come on, I'll just bro. Just it. bring it, man. <laughs> one of the buttons or triggers in my life mm-hmm. is rejection. Mm. And that stems from deep wounds as a young, young, young boy. And so whenever... I get a sniff of that from somebody that button gets pushed yeah and and it starts this cycle of fear in me right where Mm -hmm. and i start to react because that reminds me of this wound that happened to me many many years ago and so i have a choice i can either shove that aside push that down, deny that it exists. Mm-hmm. I'm too good of a person. I'm too, I, I'm, I'm too mature to have that feeling. Or I can recognize that feeling is real and it makes sense why I might feel that way in this scenario. But I invite God and I invite other people into that and, and, and dissect it and unpack it. I hope that makes some sense. No, it's that's tremendous. Like, why is it that we as humans, it seems like we associate emotions with immaturity. Mm-hmm. Let's say if somebody is emotional, they're not as mature as others because they can keep themselves together. And we've developed this philosophy that less emotional means more mature. Right. And somebody who is more emotional is less mature than others. And I think that has done tremendous damage in the kingdom of God. It yeah. has done, it is made for preachers that, that you have already identified four categories falling into numbers of unhealthy categories of, I can't admit it. I can't show it. Um, people can't see me this way because they need to see a strong person. I, right. We, we, we should, we're serving images, which, which are idols, according to the old Testament. Um, right. We're serving idols and images of, of something rather than seeing it for what it is. I mean, is that really, do you see that a lot in, in church leaders is just that image that that maybe dichotomy of maturity and, and emotion, yeah. emotionalism? I, I, I really do. Uh, the good news is over time, I see more guys getting comfortable with this mm. area. 15 years ago, it was awful. Mm. There 15. was no, yeah. Wow. It was because I've been doing this, you know, this kind of work for probably 15 years. Well, I wanted to and, emphasize that because 15 is not that long in terms of, you know, the, the, the New Testament church has been around for a couple thousand years. And yeah. this, I mean, I think I wanted to make sure that's emphasized to help people to understand this is nothing new here. 
this right. is an old problem that is continuing to flourish amongst the church. Right. The good, the good thing that I'm seeing is there's more willingness to actually have mm-hmm. conversation about this. And so I'm encouraged by that. Um, it's not about being ruled by our emotions, Dave. It's mm-hmm. by, it's about paying attention to them. Yeah. Emotions, our emotions are information. Mm-hmm. And they're telling us something about what's really going on in our heart. And, and God says that we're in, in, and I think it's in Proverbs chapter four, it says, guard your heart. Yeah. Or what I really think he's saying there is care for your heart. Mm-hmm. So and good. my heart is my job. It's not your job. It's not Laura's job, my wife. It's not, it, it's my job. Boy, that's, that's, huge. that's a huge truth right there that I want to make sure nobody that's watching or listening misses out on. It's my feelings, my emotions, are my heart is my job. My heart is my job. I think, think sometimes, John, I mean, that's, I mean we, could, we could do the whole message on this alone because we place my, our heart in somebody else's hands. It's, it's my spouse's. Um, it's their job to make me happy. It's my kid. Right. It's my job. It's the economy. It's the president. It's the governor. You know, let's hit mm-hmm. let's hit two extremes there. Um, it's you know conditions of of the weather or life, and it's it's somebody else's job instead of us taking ownership. Because I think if we, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If we if we actually take ownership, then we actually have to change. But if we don't take ownership, then we can defer the change to somebody else. I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, that's absolutely 100% true. So my concern is when leaders deflect mm. their emotions, when, when lay people deflect their emotions, there's this, this ongoing immaturity. There's this ongoing brokenness yeah. in our hearts that God wants to bring healing to. But look, I'm going to say something that may sound controversial and I'm not saying it to be controversial, but I think sometimes we ask God to care for our heart. Mm. We think he's going to do it. I think that's our job. He's, he's there to help yeah, and to assist, but he's not going to do that work for us. That's our, our, again, I use the word our job. That is our job, our heart, or I'm going to put it this way. My heart, my job. So good. I'm going to steal that and preach that sometime and take the credit for it. Yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> so, so when, how do you, how do you reach out to somebody in isolation? Um, and it, it's, a, it's a hard question because it's not always easy to recognize that someone is right. isolated. I think right now we can all assume we feel levels of isolation. So how, right. how maybe how do you recognize it and what should you do to somebody with iso- that's maybe in isolation? Oh, Dave, I think we talked about this the other day on, uh, on a call that um, we're not mind readers. Mm-hmm. You know, there are moments when the Lord will drop somebody into my thoughts. I think it's the Lord putting them in my thoughts or in my heart, and I'll reach out to them and they'll say, wow, I can't believe you called me today. Mm-hmm. I really needed that. It was timely. Um, but... I, I think if that's the only method we use or the only tool that we bring to the mix here, we're going to miss a lot of people who mm-hmm. are hurting and we'll mm-hmm. never know they are. 
So you said this on our call the other day. You said, hey, here's how we find out. We ask. Yeah. We ask. So I went through my phone list uh, and I just started making calls. Calls to uh, people, leaders who are our clients. Uh, calls to leaders who have been clients in the past but aren't uh, working with us right now. Calls to leaders who've never worked with us before. And even calls to uh, friends and, and people I go to church with that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, and so I have a list of, and I'll, I'll knock out, I don't know, maybe three or four of those a day. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't encourage you to do 20 a day. You can kind of be a little tired. But over the course of several weeks, I'm going to probably be able to have some kind of contact. And, and in, in, in the nature of that call is simply this. Um, how are you? Mm-hmm. How are you? Just talk to me. Are you doing okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and letting them share. And I've been surprised that the level of appreciation that these folks we've been calling, I've been calling, have expressed. It's just been, it's been amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't know. I, that sounds super practical, not real spiritual, but that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's what, I think it's what Jesus would have done. I, I think, I think we make the mistake of thinking the spiritual shouldn't be practical or it can't be overly practical. Um, I think that sometimes we can get so spiritually minded that we don't get practically walking. And I think the simplicity of finding, finding people to call, um, like I had made note in my head of this, the first two weeks of this quarantine, the amount of phone calls I was getting from people telling me about needs in the community, needs in, in a friend's life. And my response just started, just started being, listen, don't call me about that. You do something about that. Yeah. And instead of having the K first or the church step up and fill a need. What about you and your circle of friends? Because what happens is the name of Jesus gets remembered instead of the name of the church. Yeah. And, and I've been seeing over the course of, of the past, what, three or four weeks since is watching people just responding to needs around them. And even though um, I don't think God caused the virus, but I believe that every platform of pain can be a platform to show God's glory. And I think that right. we are maybe seeing a moment of a season of isolation be a place where the church can actually be the body of Christ. And I think that's what you're talking about is just yeah. be the body of Christ, be the hands and the feet of Jesus, be the ears of Jesus when people need to, to have someone to talk to. And right. uh, just letting the spirit of God lead your heart. But at the same time, you know, look around you and just say, who are my friends? Who are the people I used to sit next to? Because K first, you all know where you sit every Sunday. You don't change where you sit. Think about who the people you sit near. Think about senior adults that you greet and talk to and you sit near. Giving people a phone call and just doing a simple check-in. And I've been trying to do that that with pastors. Uh, We've got just numbers of of, uh, friends who just don't have any staff members whatsoever and they lead alone even though they've got volunteer leaders, but they leave alone. And so I know when I'm I'm trying to contact pastors just to create some community. And I think that that's something so simple, but yet deeply profound and impactful by just asking. Yeah. You know, Dave, one of, and and kind of like the, uh, the uh, two or three things that I want to make sure I cover in those calls. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I encourage my friends 
and I'll keep engaging in moments of meaningful connection with God every so day. Good. Um, you know, crisis can drive you away from God or it can drive you or draw you closer. And, you know, so I'm encouraging my, my friends, some of them who are really scrambling right now, uh, to choose closer. Um, I, I encourage them to get their bodies moving, you know, uh, you know, get out and walk. Uh, I, I uh, belong to a gym, but the gym's been shut for, I don't know, five weeks or something mm -hmm. like that. So I've turned my home into a gym of sorts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this morning, uh, three sets of push-ups, uh, walking, mm -hmm. getting a lot of steps in first thing in the morning. You know, tomorrow I'll do that first thing in the morning and then I'll grab the Costco laundry detergent jugs and <laughs> curl those hey. to work on the biceps, you know. And um, But just getting your body moving helps you mm -hmm. manage the isolation. It, it, it just does something. It's not just a physical uh, benefit to us. It's a men There's a mental uh, uh, benefit. There's an emotional benefit to it. And then the third piece, the third thing I'd like to try to get in there in our in our calls and, I, and this all happens in 10 to 15 minutes sure is uh you know try to nurture your relationships mm -hmm. the best you can you know accept the fact that you're going to have to use other channels mm -hmm. of communication that might be uh, less preferable to you you know but facetime and, mm -hmm. and zoom we've been having the family zoom meeting uh on a regular basis with the boys and and their wives and uh and our grandbabies and that's been a lot of fun. The, grand, the, the grandbabies, you know, really aren't into it that much. They, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's nice to see them. Uh, we've been talking with our boys um, and their spouses several times a week on FaceTime. And, and, and Laura just told me the other day, I thought it was such a great observation. She says, John, we're talking to our kids more now than we have in a long time. Yeah. And it was like, you know, wow, that's really true and the kids seem to love it they seem to desire that uh time with us so those are some of the things you know if you're if you're thinking man i want to call somebody what do i talk about mm -hmm. um just ask them how they are yeah and and then you know encourage them mm -hmm. to to uh stay connected to the lord to to stay connected to people the best mm -hmm. way they can and to not you know be a couch potato for the next however long we're in this this mode, get your body in motion. I love it. There's just such simplicity, but beauty to the practicality of staying connected to God and staying connected to people. And mm -hmm. I mean, from getting exercise, which I think is very spiritual. When you take care of your body, I believe it's a spiritual yeah. thing. It's also emotional. It's also obviously physical. It's it's uh, mental. Um, there's just keeping that connection going on. It's just huge. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, um, then we're going to wrap up, is this. Um, okay what should the season of isolation teach us uh like what lessons in this season should we not forget yeah and there's not enough time to list them all mm. so i'm going to just give you the the two big ones okay uh, for me um you know and just in general i i don't want to miss mm -hmm. whatever it is god is trying to teach us as the church collective but also individually. I don't want to take another lap around this mountain. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so here's a couple of things that I want to bring out of this crisis, out of this challenging time. The first one is dependence. Mm. Um, and that's dependence on God and dependence on, on the people in my life. Uh, 
you know, it's so easy, Dave, when the economy's rolling and our, our company is thriving and our church is growing and, you know, there's all kinds of great things happening and we're just on a roll to forget that none of that would be possible without God giving us the ability, the, the ingenuity, the opportunities, the, and the health to mm-hmm. actually do what we're doing. Um, you know, those four elements don't come f- from within ourselves. Those are gifts yeah. from God. Yeah. And, and so I think the most important thing I want to bring forward from this season is never forgetting again, because I've moved in and out of this, Dave, this mm-hmm. reality. There are moments in my life where I've been very aware that I can't do anything without Jesus. And there have mm-hmm. been moments and seasons in my life where I've forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to ever forget that I can absolutely do nothing without Jesus. So, and, and, and when I forget that, and then things happen like have happened to us, and you know, some folks have built something for years, and in a matter of weeks, it's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that brings you back to yeah. total dependence on God. I even when times are good, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. So that's that's the the biggest thing in my mind, David, is that. Mm-hmm. And then here's the second one. Is we've talked for decades about being a church without walls. I've heard that so often, you know, and I've heard I, I think I've said it many times. I've mm-hmm. heard many preachers say it many times that the church isn't contained within the four walls, but let's be honest, we've lived like it was contained within those four walls for the most so part. Good. I, I just think we have. Now we've been forced outside of the four walls. And it's been so amazing to see how creative we've become. Yeah. How, how outsider focused we've become. Um, how our footprint has actually grown. Mm-hmm. I have pastors telling me, John, I have a church of 150, and every Sunday we have over 500 people who are engaging in our Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm online it's incredible mm-hmm. um i'm part of a of a i just attended part of this online prayer meeting and it's an amazing 30 minutes of praying online with people and there's there's over 100 people in this prayer meeting it's just amazing you know think about how hard it would be to get 100 people and at a prayer meeting at most churches it would just yeah. be it would just be almost impossible, mm-hmm. but we've removed barriers. Now people can engage and pray together online. Um, I don't think we can go back to the old, old. We could go back to the old normal, but we better not go back mm-hmm. to the old normal because I think God will be displeased mm-hmm. if we yeah. do that. And we will miss a golden opportunity, I think. And I can't, I can't quantify that golden opportunity. That's just a sense deep in my heart mm-hmm. that we will miss something epic if we go back to the old normal. It's so good. I've got a, a gentleman that was on my board. He's been in our church for, I think, minimally 40 years. And he's like, you know, I've been around 40 years. I know the size of our worship center. And he says, but when I see the reach of what we can do during this quarantine, he says, I'm realizing that our church can't contain what our actual reach could be. And that encouraged me to, to hear, um, to hear uh, 
somebody who is a senior adult recognize opportunities are in front of us. And I agree. I think this time of, of quarantine has positioned us to, to kind of dig in and get dependent. And at the same time, recognize we just can't, we just can't go back to the way things, things were. I think of the words of Samson, who, when he told his secret to Delilah, um, got bound up a couple times and just kept doing what he did before. And the last time he just thought to himself, I'll just go and do what I did before. And he didn't realize he had lost all of the, the abilities that gave him victory in the past. Yeah. And I feel if we don't learn, we have a propensity to go back and just continue. And we will have missed this opportunity to, yeah. um, I don't like the word reinvent, but to, to really hear creatively from the Holy spirit to, to right. reach the world and actually to be the church without walls. So John, yeah. I, I I can't say thank you enough for this. This has been rich time. And just, okay, first, just so you know that what you're getting from us right now is what would I feel would be a normal phone call uh, between myself and John. I know we were recording this for Sunday morning purpose, but this is our, this is kind of normal conversation for John and myself. And there's a reason why I lean upon him as accountability, as a prayer partner, somebody that I like to talk to and somebody that I am unafraid to be real with and ask him to pray for me and to help see me through some dark times. And so what I'm going to do is just as we wrap up is I'm just going to ask that John would just pray over all of us at K first and just believing that God is just going to usher us into a new season of dependency and to also to a new season of creativity as we just see the church rise up and be the church. John, would you pray for us? Yes, I will. Thanks, Dave. So, dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every person listening this morning. Father, I pray that you would help those who are in a deep struggle today with isolation. I pray that they would feel your presence, Lord, because even when we feel isolated from human beings, we know that if we belong to you, Lord, that you are there with us. Mm -hmm. I pray, Father, that you would help those who are really struggling to nurture their friendships the yeah. best they can. Uh, God, that they will nurture their walk with you the best they can. Father, that they'll simply get their bodies in motion. And, and Lord, I, I pray this, God, that you would help them, help us, Lord, to internalize the lessons you want us to learn. And God, I pray we'll never forget them. I, I, I pray that our lives will be permanently shaped in a positive way by this trying time. So, Lord, I pray for my friends at K-First. I pray for the community that they serve, Lord, those who are listening, that even in circumstances we wish were different, Lord, help us to find joy. Um, God, our eyes are on you. We're weak, but you're strong. Mm -hmm. May your strength carry us, Lord, today, tomorrow, and in the weeks ahead. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. John, we love you tons. You are a friend of K-First, your family for K-First, and we just appreciate your time today, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's, it's an honor. Blessings to you and to yeah. your congregation. Absolutely. Say hi to Laura and the kids from us. Well, I will. Take care, my friend. Bye.